This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Today's story, kind of, but not really, starts in 1865 on April 14th when Abraham Lincoln is assassinated by John Wilkes Booth while watching the play Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in D.C. You think it was any good, Ben? Uh, Our American Cousin? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I remember, I think, hearing about it in school, but it wasn't my kind of play. And it does remind me of one of those very tasteless middle school jokes. Did you ever hear this one? Well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you find the play? Oh, that's funny. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is too soon? Surely not. Surely not, Ben. You, you called out the, the date and it sounded to me like it was long ago. Long ago, far away, right? And I'm Noel, by the way. You're Noel. And this and, is Ridiculous History, I think. This is Ridiculous History. And uh, there's our super producer, Casey Pegram, giving us his stamp of approval. Let me lean by the window and, and see, if, see if we get a thumbs up. Oh, we got a pretty good thumbs up. Thumbs up, indeed. As you would text me, thumbs up emoji. Thumbs up I, emoji. I, I love when you do that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I want to be clear that it is an emoji because, you know, some people don't know this. But 
emojis translate differently across different phones. I think. Oh, absolutely. We've talked about this. Right? I think. Have yeah. we talked about this on this show? Uh, I, I don't. You know, it's or all. We it's, just it's, hung it's, out it's and talked a bit about of a this. blur. We do talk about all kinds of things. Today, we're talking about Abraham Lincoln uh, getting a bullet to the back of the dome by a, a crazed. I don't know. Maybe it's not fair to call him crazed, but a, a zealous. Actor mm-hmm. yeah. by the name of John Wilkes Booth um, during said play that may or may not have been any good. And then he leapt from the balcony. It was a point blank shot mm-hmm. to the back of the head. Six onto, Semper Tyrannus. Sim, six Semper Tyrannus onto the stage, caught his, his, his pant on something on the way down and, and broke his leg and somehow managed to escape. Yeah, made it 73 miles to Port Royal, Virginia, while the feds were chasing him. His accomplices were dropping out one by one. He eventually was cornered in a barn surrounded by veterans from the Union Army. But wait, we need to back up again. Yes. Beep, beep, beep. That's the sound of the history truck moving back because... We gave you a little bit of a, I guess, a cold open. Mm-hmm. We should start at the, as the Mad Hatter says, at the beginning. Ah, the Mad Hatter, <laughs> of yes. The story. Yes. That's appropriate for this, isn't it? It really is. Uh, our story starts with a soldier by the name of Boston Corbett. Although he was born Thomas Corbett uh, and was not a soldier out of the womb, as it turns out. Uh, his His initial occupation was as an incorrigible drunk. Yes, Thomas Corbett was a hatter, not yet mad, uh, and this was a pretty solid job for an upstanding American in the mid-19th century, but his wife and his first child, a girl, uh, died during childbirth, and this sent him on a downward spiral. We got a lot of death and childbirth things happening in these last mm-hmm. this episode and then the last one about the cock lane ghost it's true check it out yeah if you haven't already uh and th- if you haven't then shame on you but yeah no he did not uh he did not do well after this blow uh from on high <laughs> and um he uh, you know became like i said before an incorrigible drunk so that wasn't his first profession his first profession was a hatter and then he gave that up for the bottle um and he lived in new england um in boston and he would just haplessly stumble around drunk he was he kind of became, he was a vagrant he was a vagrant he became known as kind of like one of the the town um shiftless layabouts right mm-hmm. and it was one night uh late in the 1850s when he ran into someone that would change his life forever. Yes, and there's a great recounting of this in The Washingtonian in an article by Bill Jensen. He meets one of these proselytizing preachers, a street evangelist, and it gets to him. Corbett is mesmerized by this word of God. He becomes a regular at uh, the what, what they call sidewalk churches mm-hmm. around the city, mm-hmm. which was an interesting phrase I had not heard before, but it's like a regularly occurring church meetup that doesn't necessarily have its own physical building. And he became sort of a hype man at these street preaching get-togethers. He stopped drinking. Right. And he started uh, he started being the guy who just yells amen along with, you know, sort of punctuating what the preachers are saying. Yeah. Hype manning is uh, is sort of like in the trap music of today where they just kind of go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was that was what he would do. Except he was going, ah, glory to God. Jesus. Yep. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Now, and speaking of Jesus, he also grew his uh, his his hair, his mane, long to to appear uh, to resemble Jesus Christ himself. Um, he was baptized in the Methodist faith, mm-hmm. um, and he changed his name to Boston from Thomas because Boston was the town where he credited this meeting with the street preacher that turned his life around. Right. He was. 26 mm-hmm. at this time, and the ministers eventually said, hey, you should get your own turf. In other words, maybe it's sort of like back up off our turf with yeah. your hype manning. We, yeah. we don't need you anymore. I feel like Jesus is leading you to preach elsewhere. Elsewhere. Yeah. To, leading you to preach down on 4th or I something. I think that's right. I think because uh, we have to remember, um, we haven't said this yet, but mm-hmm. I, I'm sure a lot of people know this already, but uh, Hatters used mercury to treat the felt to form the to felt. form the yeah. felt to make the hats, and as we know, long term exposure to mercury um, does have some debilitating effects on the brain. Yeah, it has some debilitating cognitive effects. Uh, we do want to tell you that the next part of this story takes a brief and grisly turn. Yes, we'll try to make it as brief uh, as possible, but yeah, it's it's. It's not a pleasant image that's coming up here. So he's out ministering to the people in the summer of 1858 when he feels that a pair of sex workers are oogling him, are giving him the eye, and he is disgusted with himself when he feels physically excited. Mm -hmm. He rises to the occasion. Right. So he proceeds directly home takes a pair of scissors and you after making an incision in his scrotum he removes his testicles and then goes directly to a prayer meeting like you do it was a, a different time yeah not only that he went to his uh, prayer meeting did whatever that entails uh and then oh we we should also mention that um he was when when he got home from from this encounter with these these yeah. these ladies of the evening he was in search of answers uh and he opened the bible to it, it's unclear if if he was looking for this passage because he was aware of it or if he just like you know did the old flipperoo and this is what like, came up tell me what to do god yeah exactly yeah. and the passage that he encountered was Matthew 19:12 uh, which has a part that says there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. Uh, and that's what he went and did with the with the snip snip. So he goes on to the prayer meeting. And then what? Oh, he, he goes to the hospital immediately, right? No, he goes the next day after after the prayer meeting. Uh, he, he grabs dinner and takes a walk through the city thinking his thoughts. Surely he's bleeding profusely from his genitals at this point. One would think that he was able to staunch the wound because otherwise surely it would have been noticed during a prayer meeting if the guy's bleeding through his trousers. But either way, he did eventually check himself into a Massachusetts general and spent some time trying to heal. Eventually, he says, okay, I'm better. A few weeks later, and he moves to New York City to become a hat maker again. But he's still very religious. Oh, boy, is he ever. He's possibly the most religious person we've ever encountered in any story we've ever done for this show. Can you think of anyone more staunchly religious? Staunchly religious. 
Um, probably not that guy who mooned all those people. No, definitely not him. <laughs> who is still unidentified. That's right. Yeah, this guy might take the cake so far. Uh, he would often use his lunch break to go to prayer meetings. So he still kept these these very, I would say, dogmatic religious practices. And then in 1861, the Confederate Army attacks Fort Sumter. Which one was that? In the Civil War? Mm-hmm. Nice. Ironically named. Uh-huh. Because it, it was very uncivil? Yes. They, they were, were not nice to each other? They were not. He enlisted in the Union Army, and he had a quotation here that he allegedly told the women at his church. Did you see this one? No, I did not, Ben. Oh. Give it to me. When he told the people at his church that he was going to join up with the Union Army, he said, when I come eye to eye with my gray-suited enemies, I will say to them, God, have mercy on your souls, then pop them off. Ah, yes, I do remember this one. The <laughs> pop them off is what uh, did it for me. Very slang, right? You know what it reminds me of, though? Mm. It reminds me of uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character in Pulp Fiction. You know, oh, when yeah. When he does the whole, and I will smite thee with great anger and furious vengeance, those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. You know the one. Yeah, that's um, a great one. It's good, though. I wonder if he got that idea from uh, from from old Corbett. <laughs> uh, perhaps, perhaps he did. That would be interesting. We'd have to ask Quentin himself, right? Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only six hundred thirty nine dollars. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. 
And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. There was a big bummer about him joining the army. He had to shave his Jesus, his, his Jesus jam. His Jesus locks? Yeah. And by most of the accounts we've discovered, he was an okay soldier. He could, he could run, he could fire a gun. Pretty good shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, wasn't, uh, the, wasn't the best at, um, he answered to a very particular authority, didn't he, Ben? Right, it, it was, was not it was, earthly. No, it was not earthly, nor was it his, uh, his commanders. And that's going to come up time and again in this man's story. But one funny uh, anecdote in this Washingtonian article mm-hmm. is about um, the time where when he was training in uh, Franklin Square in New York, uh, his colonel, a man by the name of Daniel Butterfield, who they point out, I did not know this, composed taps. I didn't think taps was composed. You I just thought, thought it, it just all, happened. It just was, you know? <laughs> yeah, but no, this guy Butterfield. Um, also, apparently, had a bit of a potty mouth mm-hmm. because um, he was just uh, effing and jeffing and swearing all over town. And Corbett was not having it, was he? No, absolutely not. Corbett, who we should also mention, is still very green at his training here. Uh, he, when the colonel's yelling at them and cursing, he yells back, Colonel, don't you know you're breaking God's law? Butterfield is aghast. Like, he's speechless for a second. This has probably never happened to him. So what, what does he do in response? Yeah, he, he, he reads him the riot act, probably in a very measured kind of Hannibal Lecter kind of way. I don't know. This guy Corbett kind of gives me the creeps. The whole self-mutilation uh, thing, that, that's, uh, that's a bridge too far it's for a me. It's a sign of mental illness. I think for sure. And yeah, again, we should point out that he had been exposed to these vapors, these mercury uh, vapors for quite some time in his, in his hatting career before, he, before any of this happened. Um, yeah, and he says, Colonel, don't you know you are breaking God's law? Uh, and yeah, Butterfield was probably just like, you know what, my boy? Thank you so much for pointing that out. Thank you. Thank you for saving my... No, that's not what he did at all. It's not what he did at all. <laughs> no. Uh, he said, I'm going to send you to jail. So Corbett begins loudly singing hymns, pretty much shouting hymns. Uh, while he's in jail, he's asked to stop. He won't. Butterfield eventually throws up his hands and says, look, if you just say you're sorry, I can let you out of prison. To which Corbett says... Uh, he says, no, sir. <laughs> I have no cause to apologize to you, for you are but a mortal, and you hath offended the delicate sensibilities of the Lord thy God. So if you ask God to forgive you, then maybe I'll ask you to forgive me. The chutzpah. Oh, it's out of control. For a guy without balls, this is really ballsy. Seriously. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I think it just goes to show that those kind of balls come from within, my friend. There we go. So he is released to jail. Yeah, because he's like, 
this guy's impenetrable, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, there's a war going on. Yeah, they, they probably need him. <laughs> he's a crack shot. Uh, he's at least a passable soldier. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they need him. Um, and, okay, let's see. God, this guy's got a really storied, storied life. Yeah, where do you want to go? Well, he, he, he becomes a pretty important figure in the Union uh, cause. He fights in all these uh, very, very deadly conflicts mm-hmm. that most people would not have survived and did not survive. And I don't know if he had God's, God on his side or whatever, but it's, I don't know, it's hard to not think that, that his piety maybe had something to do with it. Or maybe it was just he was stark raving mad and fearless and just kind of like had luck on his side. Yeah. Yeah. Like the New England Historical Society covers a little bit of his activity in the Civil War. I did not know that he had enlisted or re-enlisted three times. He took to this conflict and he wasn't the best soldier, but he was consistent. The thing people hated about working with him is that he was always Telling people not to curse mm-hmm. or do sinful stuff. Sure, know? like you know, like you do in the army. Right. He sounded like a real killjoy. Um, but he eventually got captured and sent to Andersonville. Do you know about Andersonville Prison, Ben? Yes, no, Andersonville Prison is a terrible, terrible place. Or it was a terrible, terrible place, we should say. It's, it's a, in here in Georgia, right? Uh-huh. It's a, it was a Confederate-run prison here in Georgia, which you can visit. I've actually been. It, uh, it's the Andersonville National Historic Site now, so it preserves uh, Camp Sumter, which is also known as the prison. And it held... 45,000 Union soldiers prisoner during the war. Uh, Nearly 13,000 of them died, not from execution, but from diseases, scurvy, diarrhea, dysentery. The bloody flux. Yeah. Is that what what it was called? I think that's what they call it. Yeah, that was the the shorthand, Um, although it's sort of longer. No, just dysentery, the bloody flux, same number of syllables, but (laughs) sounds a lot scarier, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, because the flux, I guess, is when when you expel blood right now the thing about uh the thing about mr boston corbett is that maybe it's a matter of his faith maybe it's a matter of luck he survived yeah this man was nothing if not resilient i mean he survived a self-administered castration first and foremost he survived you know drunkenness in the streets um and he survived some of the most intense battles of the Civil War, uh, and he survived this prison, which was built to house 10,000 inmates and ballooned to over 32,000. There was like a little stream that ran through it, and apparently it had just become a swamp of human filth, and all of these diseases ran rampant. The guy who was in charge of this, uh, this facility was actually brought up on war crime trials because thousands, if not tens of thousands of men died in this facility. Yeah, 13,000 that we know of. So that guy was rightly brought up on war crimes. What was his name? His name was Captain Henry Wurz, W-I-R-Z. Not only was he tried for war crimes, but he was executed. So after Corbett gets away, after he survives this and... Convalesces for a bit, one would imagine. Right. Learns to eat solid food again. Uh, He still stays with the army. He he had eventually re, uh, reached the rank of sergeant in the 16th New York Volunteer Cavalry. 
now we get to the point where we began the story. Oh man, weren't we having a barn burner? <laughs> I don't, maybe we hadn't quite gotten there yet, but our man John Wilkes Booth hobbled from his idiotic fall at the Ford Theater after putting a bullet in um, old Abe Lincoln's head is now holed up in this barn along with two accomplices, I want to say. Yeah, everybody else has deserted them. He's 73 miles away from the theater and being hunted like a dog. Boston Corbett is one of the 26 elite cavalrymen sent from the unit to pursue John Wilkes Booth. And pursue him they did. They got a tip from a local innkeeper um, who put them in touch with with a man who kind of gave, uh, give, it, give it to us, Ben. I'm not, I'm not doing a very good job here. <laughs> oh, no, you got it. You got it. We've got uh, Booth and his conspirator David Harold in a tobacco farm owned by a guy named Richard Garrett. So the, what do the cavalrymen do once they have him cornered in that barn? Well, they're not coming out. Right. So they light some straw and fire and poke it through in a knot hole in the, in the barn. And, you know, like old dry wood tends to do it, it went up in flames pretty quickly. And David Harold says, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. Even for a terrorist like me, I give up. Booth, who was already made his decision, made his peace with whatever powers he thinks exist, stays inside. But as the barn disintegrates in the conflagration, the soldiers outside can see Booth's silhouette moving back and forth in the burning barn. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. 
It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated, experienced drivers, and you receive those real-time notifications, as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know who also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? Well, I think you know. It's hmm. Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Only you know you can. (laughs) So don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. And let's uh, let's just remind our listeners, maybe not a really reminder because we haven't said it yet. Um, the instructions of this brigade was to bring back these men alive because the plot against Lincoln there was a good chance that it had been organized, orchestrated by forces on the Confederate side. And they wanted to, you know, get to the top of this uh, conspiracy, right? Right. So when our boy Corbett popped one off, as he would say, right, mm-hmm. at John Wilkes Booth as he hobbled away, people were understandably annoyed. Right. And a- another government employee says what on earth did you shoot him for and he's rushing to yank booth out of the burning barn they wanted him alive to you know run up the ladder of the conspiracy and corbett refused to apologize booth dies around 7 a.m the next day and the government forces are are wondering why this guy is completely contradicting his orders And all he says is that God Almighty directed me to. So instead of John Wilkes Booth going back to D.C., they take Corbett. Yeah, and Edwin M. Stanton, who's the Secretary of War, Mm -hmm. who had issued a uh, a reward, the War Department, um, of $100,000, 50 for Booth, 25 for um, Surratt, and uh, 25 for Harold, and a total of $100,000. And um, this guy questioned Corbett uh, personally, and I think he sort of decided it wasn't worth pursuing, that, um, you know, the guy's dead, the justice has been served, this guy's going to be kind of a national hero, let's let it, let's let it slide. 
Yeah, even though Corbett kind of changes his message at the trial, and he says, I didn't fire the ball from fear. Uh, I was under the impression that he, meaning Booth, had started to the door to fight his way through, and I thought he would do harm to my men if I didn't fire. So it changes a little bit. He's not quite as self-righteous about it. Uh, but how, how does his story end, Noel? He doesn't get the whole 50 grand. No, he gets a portion of it, though, I think. Mm-hmm. He gets a little over 1600 and then he asks if he can take his horse home, which I thought was pretty sweet. He says he's not valuable, but I'm attached to him, and I'd like to take him home. He's a sentimental man. He's a sentimental uh, eunuch, um, Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. Later, he is largely forgotten. Um, he starts initially going back to work as a silk hat finisher. Then he turns to being a lay preacher, making 250 a year. $250. Dollars, yes. yes, not thousands. No, no of course yeah. not. And uh, by 1874, he has his mental state has further deteriorated. He is convinced that John Wilkes Booth is actually still alive and that Booth has sent people from the former Confederacy to kill him. That being said, though, he was not a popular man uh, among his cohorts uh, for, for, for the reason we talked about earlier, that he's always in people's faces preaching the, the Holy Roller line. But also, like, even the, the other troops that he was with and mm-hmm. his unit, they would have been irritated with him because he kind of stole their glory, right? Yeah, That could have been any of them. Um, also, it would have been much more of a group victory if they had brought the men back alive like they were supposed to. But instead, he took it upon mm-hmm. himself to, to, to pop one off. Yeah, and... So he was getting threatening letters. Right. That was real. Yes, he was getting threatening letters. Uh, we don't know if they were meant just to torture him, but some were signed J. Wilkes Booth. So in his mental state, he felt that these really were from this guy, and there was this overarching conspiracy to assassinate him. By 1878, increasingly unpopular, despised by half the country, strongly disliked by his colleagues, uh, he hops in a wagon and says that he's going to head west. Where's he go, Ben? He goes to a place called Cloud County, Kansas, and starts the homestead on 80 acres. Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't go super well. And um, because of some pretty uh, intensely erratic behavior, um, he, he does not get to continue in that endeavor. Some of that behavior includes in 1887, he holds the uh, Kansas House of Representatives uh, hostage, basically, using two revolvers and a sword, and then he declares that the session has been adjourned. Um, And then he has various and sundry run-ins with the law, uh, and in 1887, October that is, um, he is declared insane, and he is committed to a uh, Kansas asylum. But that's not the end. That is not quite the end. He escapes from the asylum on May 26th, 1888, because he sees somebody making deliveries and tethering a horse to the front of the building. So he breaks away, jumps on the horse, and takes off all the way to Neodesha, Kansas, home of a fellow veteran and survivor of Andersonville, a guy named Richard Thatcher. 
And uh, that caused this kind of bolo letter to be generated Mm -hmm. with the uh, heading, Insane Man Escaped, Topeka, Kansas, May 26th, 1888. Dear Sir, Boston Corbett, an insane man, escaped from the insane asylum at Topeka this morning and is supposed to be heading for Cloud County. He's about 55 years old and 5 feet 4 inches tall. This is a clever detail. This This is a smart move. He has plucked all his beard out down to the lower part of his ears. His gray chin whiskers and mustache, gray hair cut square at the bottom, and parts his hair in the middle. He wore a dark jeans suit and black soft hat and was riding a bay or a sorrel pony with a boy's saddle. So keep a lookout for that guy. He is regarded as a dangerous man, but was unarmed when he escaped. If he comes your way, arrest him and return him to the asylum at once or telegraph Dr. B.D. Eastman, Superintendent Insane Asylum, Topeka, for orders. What happens when he meets up with his old pal Thatcher, or when he reaches Thatcher's property, we should say? Well, the first thing he did when he got there to Neodosha, Kansas, was he he took that stolen horse that he referred to as a borrowed horse, and he tied it a note onto it and slapped it on the butt and sent it on its way. Um, and it was quite a ways away, so it's, it's unclear if that horse made it to its rightful owner. But the note kind of was like, sorry, I just I had to do it here. Please take this horse back. I didn't I wasn't stealing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, he went to a train station and uh, was trying to get to Mexico. Um, and that is the last anyone ever heard from him. Right. Rumors still trickle in after that. You'll see a lot of people list his death as 1894. Uh, one theory says that he was targeted by people who were bitter over the various battles he had had in his time in the Union Army. Uh, someone else said he died in the Great Hinkley Fire. Uh, and then there were people who would point out other possibilities. You know, in the early 1900s, the Federal Prison Bureau heard about a Boston Corbett who claimed he was alive and well and wanted his pension checks. But the problem was that the guy who claimed to be Boston Corbett, who also went by the nickname Old Trapper, Mm -hmm. Old Trapper, only gave um, vague descriptions. Yeah, I think he was taller. And he was taller, yeah, like a a lot taller, I believe, a full eight inches or so. And then people thought that would be the last they heard of him. But more and more stories poured in they just became less and less credible if that makes sense it does and now he is largely lost to history except for one one thing that remains right yeah it's like a weird kind of memorial it's just a a pen like a like a fenced area um that marks where his final home was And uh, in this Washingtonian article, they wrap up talking about how in 1958 there was a Boy Scout troop that made a stone plaque to put there, and they they called it the Boston Corbett Dugout. And um, there are two revolvers uh, embedded in the rock. And here ends the strange story of Boston Corbett, war hero to some, uh, a villain to others, but clearly a man in need of medical care of some sort yeah absolutely um who left a pretty fascinating mark on history and if you'd like to read more about uh boston corbett you can check out the book 
The Madman and the Assassin, which has a, a a pretty snappy chronicle of his time, both his normal life leading up to the Civil War and his earlier struggles, all the way to that fateful day when he shot John Wilkes Booth. That felt like a very definitive ending. Usually we get to a segue or something, huh? Yeah, no, that's good. That's oh, good. Where it's almost like we're getting a little bit better at this. Well, let's let's not jinx ourselves. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but we we hope you enjoyed this story. We were surprised in the course of our research to learn that you know a lot of people haven't heard of this guy. I hadn't. Yeah, they don't really teach you about it in school. You know. Well, you know, it's like. I think this is an interesting slice of life of the time, too, in mm. terms of, like, you know, the way mental illness was was handled, mm. the whole idea. Of, and there's just so many interesting little twists in the story. The way um, the whole Andersonville incarceration thing, I, I knew a little bit about that. But this was a really interesting inside perspective, like, from someone who lived through it. The whole, you know, coming to Jesus stuff. It's just, this is like, why is there not a film about this guy? Who would, yeah. who would play him? Uh, Crispin Glover. Yes. <laughs> Did I tell you that my friend Matt uh, saw Crispin Glover on the subway in New York for like an hour just sitting by himself wearing a really nice black suit and listening to his earbuds? I think you may have mentioned that. Yeah. Was it? Was he actually going somewhere or just riding the subway for no, fun? No, I think he was going. He said, well, Matt works way uptown. Yeah. Um, and he, his, his theory was maybe that he was shooting something in Harlem because that's sort of the direction, the direction they were headed. Yeah. Yeah, so I think Crispin Glover would be a good pick. He would be awesome. I mean, I mean, look, if you look at this guy, listeners, if you want to check it out, tell us what you think. Who would play Boston Corbett? Oh, Crispin Glover all day long. You know who else would be good? Norman Reedus. You know Norman Reedus from that. The Walking yeah. Dead and yeah, the Boondock Saints? That. Yeah. Also, my favorite moment in the guy's biography is definitely the other street evangelist saying, God has called you to preach, my son, about four blocks that way. That's still my favorite. That's good. Uh, we want to know uh, what you thought about this episode. And as always, some of our best ideas come from you, fellow Ridiculous Historians. So let us know what other tremendously important characters in American history or in the history of your own country seem to be largely obscured today. We'd like to shed some light on them. As always, thank you for checking out the show. Thank you to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. And thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for being our researcher extraordinaire on this episode. And by this time, longtime listeners, you know the drill. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also check out our community page, Ridiculous Historians, which is a hoot, a real hoot. En hoot und en haller. Mm -hmm. A brouhaha. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> Are we just going to toss synonyms? We have to get out of here. We do. Toss synonyms, huh? I like it. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.